because a lot of our children were coming to school with experiencing trauma, adverse childhood experiences. We've got a high level of child protection there. So the behaviour of being shamed, being sent out of class wasn't good for their self-esteem. And actually, it wasn't solving any problems. All it was doing was manifesting more and making them more and more angry. We thought this would be a good approach. Welcome to the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Corrigan. My co-host is Emma Shackleton, and we're obsessed with helping teachers, school leaders, parents, and of course, students when classroom behaviour gets in the way of success. We're going to share the tried and tested secrets to classroom management, behavioural special needs, whole school strategy, and more, all with the aim of helping your students reach their true potential. Plus, we'll be letting you eavesdrop on our conversations with thought leaders from a around the world so you'll get to hear the latest evidence-based strategies before anyone else. This is the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. Hi there, Simon Corrigan here and welcome to another Essentials episode of School Behaviour Secrets. In these Essentials episodes, I share with you one important strategy or insight from an earlier interview episode that can make a real difference for the students you work with in your school or your classroom. And these little reminders are more important than ever, I think, when we're also busy and overwhelmed and distracted in the modern school workplace. In this Essentials episode, I'm actually going to share part of Emma's interview with Janine Dodds from episode 22. Now, Emma interviewed Janine to find out how she had helped successfully implement restorative practice in her school, And I know that restorative conversations are something that a lot of our listeners have a strong interest in. I want to pick up the interview where Emma asked why Janine's school had decided to explore a restorative approach in the first place. It was just shortly after I started working there as a deputy head. The head teacher had only been in situ for probably about 10 months. The school had gone through a very turbulent time and the name of the school wasn't very good. It was known for bad behaviour in the school. They'd had a lot of head teachers coming and going and it requires improvement. So there was a lot going on there that actually without behaviour, it was about the learning as well. So when we got there, they used the normal behaviour strategies, charts, stickers, but wasn't consistent across school. And staff relied heavily on senior leaders to deal with behaviour issues that were happening. So the head teacher then went off to a meeting and there was a pilot for the restorative approach. So we decided as a school that we'd like to have a go at that. So the trainer came in, did a delivery to the senior leadership team. We liked what we saw. They then went to governors and did a presentation to them. They liked it as well. So we decided as a school, we would take this forward. We thought it would be a way of children having a voice because a lot of our children were coming to school with experiencing trauma, adverse childhood experiences. We've got a high level of child protection there. So the behaviour of being shamed, being sent out of class wasn't good for their self-esteem. And actually, it wasn't solving any problems. All it was doing was manifesting more and making them more and more angry. We thought this would be a good approach. Our children come in with very low language skills. So they hadn't got the language to be able to solve problems or say how they were feeling or actually talk to people. It was more about shouting. You know, they've been used to being shouted at in school. They've been used to being shouted at at home. So they did it with their peers and that's how they saw it was a way of solving problems. It also was that actually our children were going back into class after they'd had problems at lunchtime. We know lunchtime is always a 
a sparky time and they were carried on. So it affected learning, it disrupted classes. So we just thought this would be a way of looking at a different approach. So that sounds like quite a big transformation in your school. Can you describe a little bit about how you got that ball rolling and how you started implementing this vastly new strategy and approach in your school? We went to staff and we said, this is what we want to do. So we did a staff meeting first to introduce it to say, we know there are issues. We know that people want solutions. As senior leaders, we can't be in every classroom solving the issues with behaviour. We did a whole day staff training with the trainers and that was a whole school because it had got to be a whole school approach. It had got to be everybody. So that was the office staff, cleaning staff, the lunchtime supervisors, everybody was involved. We went through what the restorative approach was, how we do it. We all had to do role play and we all mixed up. So everybody knew that this was going to be a consistent approach in school. And this was the language that we were going to be using with children. We had some resistance from some staff because a lot of people come in with their own ideas about behavior, about punishments. They thought children should be punished for what they did. But we still went with it with our staff, with a lot of people. We all have been brought up different. We've all got different values. So bringing us all together and trying to get us all on the same page, we knew was going to be an uphill battle with some staff. And, you know, it challenged my perception as well, because, you know, here we are now all of a sudden doing this. It's a different way. But I'd done a lot of work on behaviour when I was at university and part of my dissertation was about behaviour. So it seemed the next step for me. I thought this was the right way. So we started in the September, we introduced it to the children, we told them, we did a big assembly with them, we said this is what's going to happen because the way we're solving problems isn't helping anybody, everybody's getting upset and we need to be able to repair what's being done and move on and for you to come up with the solution, not for us to come up with it. So we talked to them about the fact that we're not doing it to them, we were doing it with them so we're going to facilitate them and we're going to give them the language to be able to do that. So we started and it was funny, you could tell children were very shocked about, oh right, they've had a falling out, let's go and talk about this. We'd sit down and we'd talk with the child, you know, and it was, you know, what happened, what was happening before and all of those things that we went through. So everybody had a script to use. So we were all using the same language. Janine, do you think that script gave the staff confidence that they knew exactly what you meant? Because I guess some people might have already had experience of the approach And for some people, it would have been brand new. So do you think the script was valuable in getting everybody on the same page and giving them some tools? Yeah, because it gave a structure. So you'd start off with, you know, well, what happened? What was happening before? So they knew that that was their first question. And the children started to learn that was the first question. And they were all given a voice. So it was like, well, we're going to have this restorative conversation now. So we're all going to listen. So we're going to start with you first and with you. Now, what they didn't do, some people, is think, well, actually, at that point, that child wasn't ready for that restorative conversation. So there was a lot of modelling around that because if a child was angry, it was no good doing a restorative conversation because they weren't ready. So it was, are you ready to have this conversation? Can we do this now? As senior leaders, we were out on the playground at lunchtime, break times. So we were there and we were doing those conversations. If we were called to lessons, we'd do exactly the same. But that became an issue because some staff would still call for us to do this. So it was then that we said, right, okay, we've got so far and we've done really well up to there. Staff were taking it on board and actually it was working really well. But we're still getting particular people sending for us to go and solve the problem. 
So we kind of said, right, okay, we've got to be a bit firmer here. We've got to say, right, have you had this conversation? So we looked at our behaviour policy as well at that point because it didn't reflect the restorative approach. We said, right, what have we got to put in here that staff can follow this and know that's the process? The children need to know that the conversation is going to happen. It might not happen then, but it's going to happen. It doesn't take me as a senior leader coming in because I have no idea what's gone on in that lesson. Staff were a bit funny about it. They had a bit of an issue. They were saying, so we can't call anybody if there's an issue. We said, no, you can call someone. But what you've got to do is try and discuss with the children what's happened. And if the issue is with you, you need to have that conversation. If it's not always between children, you know, the staff get harmed if the lesson's disrupted and the children needed to know when harm isn't just physical. It can be a disruption of a lesson. It can be, you know, shouting out those types of things that you want to talk to children about. So the children started to understand that harm wasn't physical. It could be anything really. So we put the behaviour policy in. That took about seven or eight months to get into it that we decided that actually there was a gap there that we needed to fill. And then because it was a pilot, we'd had like a baseline. And then at the end of the year, we looked at where we were. And we did see that things had improved, but there were still little pockets that needed ironing out, as you would with anything coming in now. But we had seen a change and the children had seen a change as well. So they'd recognise that staff actually were talking to them, listening to them. They were actually given a chance to air their views and say what had gone on. And one of the things that turned it around for me was they weren't using this, which staff thought they were. They weren't using this to get out of lessons because what we'd put in there was, okay, this conversation might not happen now, but it will happen. So if I'm teaching, I can't do this conversation. But at a time that's good for both of us, we will do it. So we'd gone down that part with them. We also went down a route of that we didn't raise voices. It was a conversation because if you're having a conversation with somebody, you don't get cross with them. And if you're calm, the children will stay calm as well. So we got to that point then. We're still working on it now. We're five, six years down the line and we're still working on it now because we see things that we think, oh, actually, we need to tweak it. The journey we've been on is massive, you know, when you think about the change that we've had. And like you say, sometimes it is nice to stop and do that because when you're on that treadmill, you don't always see how far you've come as a school. Do you feel like it's an ever-evolving process and you do need to keep revisiting and keep checking back that everybody's on the same page? And that was Janine Dodds talking about introducing restorative conversations successfully in a real-world school. Janine had loads of practical experience and insights to share, so if you want to know more, head back to episode 22 and I'll put a direct link in the episode description. It's definitely worth a listen. And that is all we've got time for on today's Essentials episode. If you've enjoyed listening today, do please remember to rate and review us. It takes 30 seconds and when you leave a review, it prompts the algorithm to recommend school behaviour secrets to other listeners and that helps us grow the podcast and reach other teachers, school leaders and parents. And while you've got your podcast app open, please do remember to hit subscribe so you never miss another episode. Thanks for listening today and I look forward to seeing you next time on School Behaviour Secrets.